front uh, to come up front so you can see a little bit better. Uh, I don't want to call anybody out by name. Uh, I know some of you, I don't know if you've ever sat near the front or not. Uh, Mike, you care to move up front just a little bit? I think you heard me. This was working a few minutes ago. Let's see if it still does. Hey, praise God it is. Let me kill some lights to make it a little bit better. Smack you. Mike. Mike ain't, Mike's singing, I should not be moved, any. I mean, I don't know what else to take. I don't know if he even heard me. All right. Uh, I'm going to try to stand up out of the way. Now, last week, or a couple of weeks ago, I was going to preach Wednesday night, uh, last Wednesday night, for different reasons, but... Uh, Life saw fit to change my plans. I didn't even wasn't even able to be here. But um, in this chapter, I want to point some things out to you uh, as we go through this and uh, show you some things along the way that I think we can apply to our life, not only in looking at this story. Now, if you can see this, and hopefully you can, pretty decent. Um, here is Jerusalem. And this is where the temple is at. This is where Paul was arrested. If you remember, it even tells us uh, that he, he had to leave by night with 470 soldiers. Now, it's estimated, and I actually have seen, a, uh, I got a map somewhere, I've seen it, that shows a lot of the roads that the Romans built. I'm going to put some things together here for you real quick, and then we'll, we'll go on with this story. Uh, one of the amazing things about... <laughs> when the Bible was coming alive in the New Testament, it, Rome, as you've heard me say and other preachers, as you know, at that time was pretty much control of the world. The known world, they controlled it. Well, they built roads everywhere so they could get their soldiers from point A to point B. But what they didn't realize is those roads allowed apostles and other Christians to take the gospel from point A to point B. So probably we know that this is likely the, the route that they took due to a road or a pass being through this area. You can see by the terrain that Jerusalem sets up on a, a, a hill and it's mountainous, it's rough, it's rugged. Then if you follow this line, it's got 30 miles here. They stopped overnight at Antipreus. We've talked about, we mentioned that. And then they went another 35 miles to Caesarea. And that is where the trials took place. So there are some maps up here uh, that someone is kind enough to run off. I was going to do that and forgot it. So somebody didn't realize that even without even realizing they'd done it, filled in the gap for me. Uh, and Grab one of those and take it home. Uh, you can look it up uh, as well. For those of you that has any computer literacy at all, uh, these are easy to find. You Google them. They're not hard. So we know that Paul... Again, we spent the time at Caesarea. So we're going to pick up here real quickly in verse 9. Now, what I'm going to go to is this other map here real quickly as we pick it up and discuss a couple things. 
A lot of this we've talked about already. Here's Caesarea. If you remember, they got on a little boat, left here, come up here, and then they traveled around this island, around Cyprus. They come over here, and they stopped here, got a bigger boat. And then notice how close this line goes up, and it went around an island here, stays next to the, the land. The reason being is they were trying to avoid the wind and the rough seas at this time of year. It was known, if you remember, I told you that at this time of year, you basically did not sail the Mediterranean. Uh, kind of as a uh, hit home, maybe something a little closer to home. Some of you may or may not know this. Uh, as kind of a comparison, I guess. Lake Michigan and Lake Superior has numerous, numerous, numerous shipwrecks at the bottom of those lakes because those lakes get so rough sometimes. When people should have stayed home, they didn't. And I don't mean in the 1800s. I mean in the last few years that has happened. It's a very treacherous, they can be very treacherous waters in the winter time of year. So the Mediterranean, it's known even today, even today there are still times and places that you do not sail uh, unless you are on certain boats and you've got to have a boat designed to handle them. And they didn't. <laughs> so... Um, then in verse 9, we're going to pick it up there. So now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the, the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them. You remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Does anybody remember what I mentioned about the fast? We know what time of year it was because of that. Does anybody remember me mentioning that? A couple of people shook their head. Do they remember what I said about it? Okay, there was a, there was a feast at that time. And don't worry about the low disc, disc space. It tells that all the time. Um, there was a feast and a fast, uh, but that feast, we know, uh, and I'm trying to remember now exactly off the top of my head because I forgot to look it back up again. I want to say the Feast of Tabernacles, but I don't think that's right. Anyway, do what? Day of Atonement. I think that was it. Thank you. Um, we know what time of year that was. We know that it was called that, so we know almost by date when they started to sail to the date when they took off. So with that one verse, uh, somebody say something. Okay. So Paul in verse uh, uh, 9 there said, Paul admonished him, verse 10, and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much hurt and much damage, not only of the lighting and ship, but also of our lives. Now, if you remember, the lading was the load. It was the grain, probably, or whatever uh, they had as far as the ship was, supplies was taken to Rome. Uh, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Notice this next couple verses. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in to more part of eyes to depart thence also if by any means they might attain to Phoenice and there to winter which is a haven of Crete and lies toward the south and west and northwest. Notice verse 13 when a south wind blew softly supposing that they had obtained their purpose loosing tents they sailed close to Crete. So here is where they are when Paul warns them of this. They, they left here on the bigger boat they came around, they come down around the island of Crete, and they, they stopped here. This is not a favorable place 
to winter to winter. Their idea was to get here. It was more favorable to winter there and to stay there and uh, or even here, one of the places, and therefore they said they would have a better place to winter and it would be safer. Uh, I don't think there was a whole lot at the port they were at. It was kind of a, a low-key place. And they didn't like it. Plus, there was little protection from the ocean where they were at. They said, this is not the best place. So this is what we believe from, from history, what we're learning. So they said, we can take off. We can make it to a better port. We'll winter there. So if you think about it, it said that there was the south wind blew softly. So they said, there's not a storm. The wind is it's just a breeze. Sometimes in our lives, there might be just a breeze and God is saying don't go. And it may look just as good and perfect as it can be. But when you take off, you'll wish you would have listened. There's a lot of things in our life if we will stop and listen to God no matter how good it looks. You've got to realize there were two experts here saying we can make it. Paul probably, even though he had been on these waters a lot, I don't, I've never read anywhere where he was considered an uh, authority of selling in any sort. So the centurion who was over Paul was kind of the one saying he was making the final call because he had all these prisoners and he hired the boat. The boat was under their hire. And I'm sorry I forgot to show you. Please forgive me. Um, anyway, I uh, threw that in real quick. But... Um, they, um, they was under his command because he, he, he had hired them to take them to Rome. So basically, unless the captain said, no, we can't, the centurion was going to go with them. Just because sometimes a so-called expert tells you it's okay, if God says it's not, it's not. And you've got to pay attention to this stuff. You've got to notice this. The man of God said, folks, if we, if we leave here, we're in trouble. And they said, no, we're not. He said, yeah, we are. They said, well, we're going for it. There's a soft, southerly breeze, and we can make it. So, uh, so Phineas is where they wanted to get to. Most of you can't read this. I realize that. That is right here, off, off the island of Crete. That is where they're trying to get to. So they take off. Notice these arrows. This is the way the wind is driving. So... Let's read here just a little bit, and we'll talk about that. Verse 13, And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed uh, close to Crete. So they thought there's a small south wind, be no problems, we can make it, uh, we're good to go. And they're still staying close to the island because they don't want to get out in here their idea was to get up through this area into this place here because the wind that comes down like that, as you can see, would shield them. And even if the wind came from the south, they would still have protection at this particular location. The problem is it didn't work that way. Verse 14 says, But not long after there arose a tempestuous wind called an Ecuador. I promise you at home I learn how to pronounce these things and I get to church and I cannot pronounce them. Eroclodon. Yes, thank you. I know how to say it. I'm telling you, I know how to, I can say this stuff at home. I get here and it's like I get tongue-tied. So I looked up the word Eroclodon. See, I, I, I don't know why I can't do it. This E word, and 
it's not really considered a hurricane. It's not really considered uh, anything of sorts, but they do know it is a great wind that can bring great uh, Now, uh, because uh, this wind came up, we're going to read what happened next. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And they're running under a certain island, which is called Claudia. Uh, We had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps under guarding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands Struck straight sail, and so were driven. So here's what happened. Uh, in this particular age, they drug behind them, or towed behind them, a smaller boat that was like a life vessel. And it was towed behind the bigger, the bigger boat, the bigger ship they were on. So at this time, because it was causing problems, they pulled that boat up and actually got it tied up near the top or up on the ship. So the other thing that they did is what we read about uh, here is they let all the sails down. If you got a sailboat, what's the one thing you got to have up to control it? The sail. The wind was so strong and so powerful, it was ready to rip the mast off this thing and break the sails. So they had to let it down. Does everybody remember the um, derecho? We're familiar with that now. That's kind of what I could could research. That's almost what's happening. And if any of you has been near any body of water at all, when the wind picks up, what else picks up? Waves. And you get a body of water this size, you got some waves coming. So what happened is their goal was to get from here to here. And they couldn't do it. The wind drove them down, and then, so as they went on, they had to let the sail down, and what they did, and I guess there's modern technology has taken care of a lot of this, but there would be ropes or cables run along the boat, and they would take and pull those tight along the bottom of the sides of the boat, and they would pull those up, and it was designed to pull in against the boat to keep the waves from breaking it apart, and that is what they did. So every effort was taken to save this boat. Now, then only so basically uh, they've got to the point, and this is what it's getting ready to say next. That they're just, the boat is at the mercy of the of the sea; they have no control over what's happening. So let's read on. Verse eighteen: And when we, uh, being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day we lightened the ship. Uh, now let me, oh, let me back up and say this. I'm sorry. Uh, I need to make sure I cover all of this. In this bottom, and you, it tells you this, you just can't see it. Uh, down in this area of the Mediterranean Sea, there was sandbars. It said quicksand, but it, it was sandbars. And they were known, it's a known area of a ship graveyard. Because for those of you that's been in any kind of boat at all, you hit a sandbar, you've had a bad day. Especially a wooden boat. When the waves are coming against that thing, beating against it. It ain't going to take long. That baby's going to break apart. It's got to. There's no way around it. So they were worried that it was going to drive them down into the sandbars. So um, that's why it says, fearing they should fall into the sandbars, undergirding the ship, and fearing that they should fall into the sandbars, strike sail. That means lowered the sail, and so were driven. Then back in verse 18, we 
being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day we lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. So in verse 18, we don't know exactly for sure, but they obviously tossed some things overboard. Probably anything extra that they decided they did not need was sent overboard. Then the next day, uh, whatever wheat, barley, grain, uh, clothes, goods, whatever it may have been that they were transporting, they said, this stuff's got to go. So you've got to realize now, the owner of this boat, that's his income. That's his livelihood. Now, if the centurion was paying him, trust me, it was probably nowhere near what he was going to get from that load of, of goods. Because Rome, again, ruled the world. If they wanted to commandeer a boat, they're going to commandeer a boat. Plain and simple. So verse 20, And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempests lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. So uh, now we've been out to sea. Uh, obviously, we don't know how many days. And if you remember, I also said um, that if, and back in these days, there was two ways that they navigated. The sun, stars. If it's cloudy and they can't see the sun or stars, guess what? They're blind. You've got to remember, has anybody ever been out in the ocean far enough where there's no land to be seen? Raise your hand. Most people. Ashley ain't leaving the bank, are you? Okay. So most of us has experienced something similar to that at least once in our lives. And, you know, you get out very far in the ocean, all you see is water, you see no land. You don't know which way you're going. I mean, it's just all the same. You can't look at the way the waves are blowing and say, well, it's that way. You don't know if it is or not. I mean, you have no way of knowing. So they are totally um, at the mercy of the sea at this point. Has anybody got any questions or comments? Okay. Verse 21. But long after absence, Paul stood up, abstinence, Paul stood up in the midst of them and said, sirs, he should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. Now, I'm going to be straight up with you. We know Paul is bold as any man that's ever breathed human air outside of Jesus Christ. That was a bold statement. In other words, boys, y'all paying for it now, ain't you? You know, I mean, he basically said, you should have listened to me. Now look what you've done to us. Now we're in a real mess. Uh, we have no supplies, we have nothing. And we're out in the middle of the ocean, and we're probably getting ready to die, is what they were thinking. But notice what else he says. Uh, verse 22, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. <laughs> Safe in the arms. For thou shalt be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Now, imagine however many days this, this ship has been tossed about in the water. Now, um, I've been in 
smaller boats on a lake that picks up pretty good. Uh, I've been on the ocean a few times in a boat. I cannot go scuba diving out in the ocean very far anymore because I get severe motion sickness, <laughs> and it's just the way it is. But, um, but I've been on some lakes where the waves were rough, and that boat will come up, and when it lands, it sounds like that boat is going to break in two. Now imagine being out in the middle of the ocean, pitch black, and that's what it's like. That would not be very fun. And these guys know they're in danger. They know that... Um, they don't know where they're at, but they know that it's bad. So Paul was saying, look, God has told me that everybody's going to live, but we're going to lose the boat. So I would say, by this point, what Paul says, I'd say they're willing to listen. When a man, and I'm going to say, or a lady, that God is living with God and God speaks through sometimes, and we don't listen as I said earlier, God speaks to us and we don't listen because everything looks so good. Man, I mean, look, how, what can go wrong? A lot can go wrong. And there's times, it's hard. There's times I wished I would have listened better to God. I wished I would have paid more attention. And I wished I wouldn't have looked at the south, suddenly nice, cool breeze that was blowing and said, well, yeah, it's okay. No, it's not okay. But this time, I think they're willing to listen to Paul because he didn't, he didn't warn them not to leave. And they left. He was right that time. So, uh, and notice the confidence that he speaks. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of life, no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. I, I, I don't know, you know, exactly how these men responded, but I'd say everybody knew on board who he was. I say a lot of people knew something about him. They had a lot of time to talk. And I would say everybody there had heard the gospel. Probably more than once. <laughs> so they, they, they was well aware who they were dealing with. And I want to tell you guys something. And, and, and I hate to admit this at times. If you're in the presence of somebody that is really walking with God, you and everybody there knows it. Lost and saved. You cannot veil the power of God. You're not going to veil that. Sometimes lost people will fear you or treat you rudely, judgmental, and berate you in every way possible because your presence is killing them. So probably he had some authority at this time. Has anybody got any questions or comments? They was clinging to any, anything they could get a hold of. Right. <laughs> and, and that's a good point. They were probably clinging to anything they could get a hold of. It's a good point. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, showing up at the, at, the, at the Kroger store and Morgan's supposed to have a truckload of groceries and Zach's supposed to have a truckload of Coke and they ain't got anything. <laughs> Do what, LJ? 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. About to sink the boat. It's unsinkable. Okay, well, notice verse 26. How be it we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the 14th night was come, so here the Bible tells us how many nights they'd been out there. 14 nights of sailing in a storm and we have no idea where we're at. Well, that would be helpless. And I, I think myself, there's two things that I think I've always thought is some of the most helpless feelings you can have is in an airplane or in the middle of the ocean. You can't just open the door and walk out. You can't get in the car and drive away. Sometimes the Canal River. You're right. I've swam in the Canal River. It didn't hurt you. Yeah. Any body of water. Yes, sir. Yeah. And it, it ain't fun. It, I mean, it is, it is a scary thing. All the boats. All the, I've kind of experienced something similar to that. Any body of water, you, you can feel real helpless real quick. I mean, it, let's, let's face it. Uh, you say, well, I'll swim. <laughs> yeah, boy. Um, all right, so how be it we must be cast upon a certain island, but when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down in Ad- Adria, I guess, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded and found it 20 fathoms when they had gone a little further they sounded again. I found it 15 fathoms. All right, does anybody know how they, do, how they did that? That's your homework assignment. Somebody come back next week and tell me how they sounded and figured out the distance. Ah. It bounces off the land, but how did they know? What, was, what did they use to sound to measure it with? What was their, what was their sounding device? Huh? <laughs> at, at, at your homework assignment to find out what fathoms is. Don't be ever googling. Like, but that's what I would do too. But I mean, that's uh, so. However, we get fathoms. <laughs> Verse twenty-nine. And they fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. So because it's night, they have no clue where they're at. You've got to remember, these, these guys on this boat, the boat captain and the master, the owner of the boat and the master, master who was basically the captain, they could, for all they knew, they was anywhere through any of this. Rest assured, they knew this, this body of water. They had an idea of, of if they were in a certain place, what to expect. But they didn't know where they were at. They had no clue. So here is where they was, ended up at. You can see that little arrow. Oh, wait, I'm in the way. Right there. And that was 14 nights of, of sailing. And... Um, so they dropped the anchors, waited for the day so they had an idea. What they didn't want to do was sail into a pile of rocks because wooden boats and rocks do not get along. 
for that matter, most boats and rocks do not get along, especially wooden ones. And if the sea was still rough. All right, verse 30. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, they let down the, the boat into the sea under collar as they would have cast anchors out of the foreship. Paul said unto the centurion and the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, he cannot be saved. In other words, he said, boys, you better stay on the boat. You better just stay right here. If you don't, you're fixing to die. Basically is what he's telling them. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. This is the lifeboat. Remember I told you that they pulled it up. So they said, okay, fair enough. It's gone. So it goes. All right, and I'm almost done here just in a minute. Um, Verse 33, And while the day was coming on, Paul sought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that he have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Okay, let's go back to where we started. I'm going to quit here for tonight. Now, and I, I wanted to apply this to this lesson. A lot of times I don't do a lot of this in these lessons. I just kind of give it to you. Sometimes I do, but I, I felt really compelled this time. A lot of times, everything may look good, but it can cost you everything if you don't listen to God, no matter how good it looks. No matter how simple, no matter how un, uh, a sin that doesn't seem, it'll seem harmless. No matter how harmless it may seem, it'll cost you every time. It always costs. Now, two experts said we can do it. One man of God said, you better leave her tied up. They went 14 days without a bite to eat. So now you know how long you can go without eating, don't you? Imagine how... Do what? Well, he may not have, but I'm going to tell you, he was still man. And I'll guarantee you his stomach growled like the rest of them. But I know what you're saying. No, I'd have to look again. I've read it, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, at the top, you can see about six months and 2,000 miles. I think it should have only taken like a, like two months at the most or a month. Oh, from, from right here to there? Oh, that's like a, a day and a half, two days or something. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, I mean this, little, this little trip right here is just a couple of days or something. And instead, 14 days later, <laughs> you know, they're in no man's land. And, you know, now, and what is, what is so sad is now the two experts are listening to a man who is not considered an authority of selling, but he's an authority of God. And when God tells you something, whether it's through His Word, through prayer, or through a man of God preaching... And sometimes even through a lady speaking, a godly lady speaking to you. A lot of Baptists are scared to death to say that. I'm not. But um, 
you better heed it. And when God speaks to you through somebody, you know it. Ain't nobody got to tell you. Because the Holy Spirit is sitting there going right through your heart. And he burns in your heart. And you know God has spoken. No matter how hard or impossible it may seem that you can't do this, whatever he's telling you to do or not to do, we must obey. If you don't, you end up out in the middle of the ocean somewhere in an awful storm that ever was. And you say, well, God brought it on. God will prevent the storm. Yeah, God sure can, but he sure didn't stop this one, did he? And I'm going to tell you, I'll promise you, disobedience will bring a storm like you didn't think you could ever experience. Um, you know, God will forgive you. We say all the time, but those consequences, it costs these old boys right here. It costs it, it cost the guy's boat. I mean, you all know how the story goes. We'll look at it in more detail next week. Has anybody got any questions or comments? So it, so in essence, uh, by not heeding what God spoke through a man, has cost them 14 days of food. It's cost them all the goods. It's cost them the lifeboat. It's cost them, I mean, it's so much it has cost them. And I can almost guarantee you some of them got seasick on this voyage. And there's not a worse feeling in the world than to be seasick and you can't get out of it. Yes, it is. Because when I went scuba diving, they don't care if you're sick because nobody else is and they're enjoying the dive while you're enjoying your lunch, returning or breakfast. Y'all don't need to hear that, did you? All right, any questions or comments? Everybody on the boat. Yeah, that's right. I mean, anytime we disobey God, that's what I mentioned last Sunday morning. Anybody that attends this church, member or not, if you're a regular attender here, your sins affects everybody here and your family. Let me tell you who else that this disobedience affected. Way up here is where they ended. Somebody was waiting on some goods that they didn't get. And so and then it just trickles down. It, you ever throw a rock in the water and watch the, the, the ripples? That's what sin does. It causes ripples. And they just keep going sometimes. So, very possible. You know, nobody died in this story as the story goes on. If you don't know the story, all of them did live. Uh, but how different their life was. You know, yeah. I never thought about that. Good point. Yeah, the little lifeboat. If they would have said, "We're getting off this thing and going," we, you know, we're getting out of here, they would have drowned. They would have died. No doubt. No doubt. 